0: Hey there, Warriors. It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 339. So, in this past few weeks, Mother Nature has really thrown my little Texas town, and actually a good part of our Warrior Life team, into complete chaos as a brutal freeze has shut down power, busted pipes, and strained food and water sources for millions of citizens. In fact, many have died as a result of the storm. And in this week's episode, I'm going to share with you some of the biggest takeaways and how you can prepare cold weather disaster it's all coming right up but hey don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free show notes including your handy dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points from today all you have to do is head on over to www.warriorlifepodcast.com slash 339 and download it all absolutely free and now on with the show
1: tactical firearms training urban survival close quarters combat Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast.
0: Okay, welcome back, Warriors. This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com. And first of all, I feel for everybody out there who is in the grips of this storm. I mean, my own team has really been pushed to the limits. They've had burst pipes, um, they've been cutting firewood all day just to be able to stay warm in the houses. Um, communications have been down. So I've been getting limited intel this past week from my team, but it looks like everyone is doing relatively well under the conditions and they have been prepared for this. Now, others haven't fared so well. I mean, to this date, right now, as I'm making this, we have seen reports of 56 deaths, but they are expected to climb in the death toll over the coming weeks and months. And most of this is coming from exposure to the elements as well as from carbon monoxide poisoning from those people that are trying to stay warm inside of their homes. Now, I want to address the survivability of this type of a disaster first because I think it's really valuable from a mindset standpoint to put this type of scenario into perspective. There's no reason to die or suffer if you have the right mindset, gear, and knowledge for any type of situation that there is, and especially this one. Now, the best way for me to relate this to you, and actually what's going to serve as a foundation for all the tips that I'm going to give to you today, are based upon my own experiences. Now, many of you know that I was in an elite light infantry unit in the Army called the 10th Mountain Division. It's based out of Fort Drum, New York, uh, just off of the Great Lakes. And there were times literally where we were the coldest spot in the entire country. There were sometimes we were even colder than the above the arctic circle. It is that bad because of the way that the geography is there and sometimes the weather coming off of the great lakes really put us into a deep freeze. Now, light infantry essentially means that we were a unit that did not use vehicles or other transportation very often. Most of the time we were hoofing it in our boots or we call it our leather personnel carriers. Um, out to the field, back from the field, around the field, out in the woods. I mean, you name it. We were out in the elements, and we didn't have vehicles to get into to to stay warm or helicopters maybe to bring us out to the field and back from missions. We were out there with nothing more than what we had on our backs inside of our backpack. In fact, we had... A, a, a saying that it was travel light, freeze at night. Because we had to walk everywhere, we didn't carry a lot of gear inside of our backpacks. But that meant that you were going to be cold a lot of the time and you learn alternative ways to be able to stay warm even during the most frigid temperatures. And I can tell you that, be, especially since we were newly formed, we, I mean, the 10th Mountain Division was an elite unit from World War II and it was reenacted or reactivated, I'm sorry, at Fort Drum, New York, back in the mid-'80s, which is my, my unit was the first unit in there. I was one of the first soldiers that went in there. So we had a lot to prove. So there was no, it's too cold to go out and do training. We went out and did training. It didn't matter how cold it was. There were many times that we were living in Arctic conditions without any sort of external shelter, large tents that other members of the military had. It was all in our backpack, all right? So the point I bring up with this is that it is possible to survive the most frigid temperatures even with no shelter and no resources that you might have. I was a forward observer, which meant that a lot of times I was out there in long-range reconnaissance or out on our own, and we didn't even have resources to be able to back us up. Now, usually we had... Some sort of like we had meals that were brought out to us or we had MREs that we could carry around with us or other types of food that we would bring out there, because there might be times where we didn't get resupplied. But if there's if this is possible with no shelter, no resources, surviving in place in your home should be a virtual cakewalk. And it is if you know just a few tricks. So I'm going to share with you some of the military experiences as well and the resources that we had and the tips that I learned that can help you survive an extreme cold weather disaster like they're experiencing down in Texas and other southern states right now. All right, so the first thing I want to get across to you is your bug out bag is your core. Now, again, I want to reiterate that everything that we needed to survive out in the most remote areas in the military for 10th Mountain Division was inside of our backpack. Now, I say this because a lot of people look at surviving in place or sheltering in place, being inside of your home and weathering a disaster. They see that and bugging out as different preparedness models. They're not. They're the same. And this is why I say your backpack, your, your bug out bag, is the core of your survival plan. Most people are trying to prepare themselves for a shelter in place scenario And then their backpack is just kind of something that they might throw together at the last minute or they might not need it at all because why the hell would you ever leave your home in a disaster? Well, a few things about that. One is you don't know when you're going to be forced out of your home disaster. What if, and this, and this has happened to people in Austin, your pipes burst and you're now flooded out of your home. That happens. Those pipes freeze. The water starts piling into your home, and now you're flooded out of there. It's the worst place to be. It could be a natural disaster that forces you out of your home. There could be lots of things that can force you out of your home. Your bug-out bag is your core because that might be all that you have. But here's another reason why I say that. Because your bug-out bag can actually, by just by using the the extreme gear that you have inside of there, can actually be used inside of your home, not just outside of your home. Okay, now you're going to see this more as we go through the rest of these tips here. But this is why I say the very first thing that you put together is your bug-out bag before even your shelter-in-place supplies that you have. All right, another factor here when it comes to your bug-out bag is where to keep it. You want to keep your bug-out bag in your vehicle. A lot of people die of exposure in their vehicles as they get stranded. If your bug-out bag is being kept in a closet or the bat cave at home, then you might never even get to that. So your bug-out bag should always be inside of your vehicle. If you don't make it home, if you do get stranded out there in the middle of nowhere, at least you have all the supplies there that you can use to be able to stay warm in that type of environment. If the roads are icy, you go off. Somebody might not even know that you're there. One guy just died in New York outside, or not, I'm sorry, he didn't die. One guy was stranded in his vehicle for days outside of his home because a snowplow came through and pushed all the snow on top of the car. He couldn't get out of the car. Nobody could see the car. He was basically trapped in his vehicle right outside of his home. He couldn't get out. If you have your bug-out bag there and you're able to get to it, then you're going to be able to use the the equipment and the supplies you have in there to be able to stay warm. Now, I will say that I see a lot of so-called Survival experts out there talking about their get home bags, a smaller kit that you have inside of your home that you carry with you that allows you to get back to your bug out bag. Please, people, this is total bullshit. And This is why I'm saying that people people become armchair experts out there when they start talking about things that they really don't even understand the realities of what they're talking about. You might not get home to your bag or your home might be the worst place for you to get to in an emergency If you have all of your supplies at home and you've got a smaller bag with a few things that are just there to get you to your bag, wrong answer. Your home might be flooded. It could be in the way of a disaster. It might be totally demolished. It could be, you could, you could get to your home to go get your bug out bag and then all of a sudden you're trapped by the, by, by a fire, you know, a, a wildfire headed your way. All of a sudden you just put yourself in more danger. If your bug out bag is in your vehicle, you don't have to worry about getting to it. You've got it right there. If you're able to make it back to your home and shelter in place, great. You've got all of your supplies right there. But you want to keep it there and that's that's all you need to worry about, okay? If you are in a shelter in place situation like right now, if you're if you're able to be in your home and to be able to stay warm, then you can just take it out of your trunk or wherever you might keep it in your vehicle and then you've got all the gear that you need there. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about staying warm because you do need to I mean one of the reasons why people die is because of exposure to the elements and and um they're just not able to stay warm enough. So the they're they go into hypothermia and they end up dying. So look, power is great here if you have it. Um it's great to, if you can keep your heat on in your home. That's wonderful. But again, we were able to stay warm without power out in the woods. So it's not necessary for you to have power to be able to get heat. Most people, I'm not saying most people, but many people die from these types of scenarios because of carbon monoxide poisoning because they end up bringing like a gas generator inside the home and running it in their home. Or they, they're running it, but it's too close to a window, and then carbon monoxide ends up getting in the home, and they end up dying of that. A couple just died in Texas by trying to get inside of their vehicle in their garage and they turned the vehicle on to warm up inside of their, inside of their car, fell asleep and died of carbon monoxide poisoning because they fell asleep and didn't wake up. So look, power is great if you have it, but it's not necessary for being able to stay warm. So one of the first things you want to do is reduce the size of the area that you need to warm up. So you're not looking to necessarily heat up your home. You want to heat up a space that you can stay warm inside of. Now, one of the easiest ways to do this is to set up a tent inside of your home. So if you have any sort of tent for camping, whether it is a family-sized tent or preferably the smaller the space, the better. So if you have smaller tents that you can set up, even... In, set up multiple ones, a couple for, you know, one for the kids, one for you and the spouse, whatever. You want to reduce the size of the area that you need to warm up as much as possible. If you don't have a tent, I mean, I have tents that I have like for, from years ago for camping, but most of the time when I go camping, it's nothing but a poncho, the same thing that I used in the military. And that's what we ended up using in the military was a simple poncho with a couple of bungee cords out in the woods between a couple of trees. You can do this even inside of your own home. You can set up a poncho in there. You can make it even more reflective and more heat. Um, You'll be able to store the heat better if you use something like a Mylar blanket. So between a poncho and using the Mylar blanket, which is like those those shiny emergency blankets, um, I actually use a bivy, the tact bivy, which is a sleeping bag that uses Mylar on the inside to be able to reflect the heat back inside. So that keeps air from escaping outside of the bag. But you can use that. You can either take it apart. Some of them have Velcro on them. You can take some of the Mylar blankets and you can duct tape them together if you want. But there are ways that you can – basically what you want to do is create a fort inside of your home. You can even use things like cardboard boxes to make a fort, just like when you were a kid. Uh, But the whole point here is for you to reduce the size as much as possible that you need to warm. And you, your your body is actually the best heat generator that you have, so it will help heat up that space that you have there, especially if you're using something like a tact bivy. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is being able to use an external heater, which you can use a space heater. Um, what I like in these little space heaters are, like, there's a, um, I've got a Mr. Heater. It's called the Little Buddy. It, it operates off of just those small propane canisters, which are very easy to store in your home, in your garage. You can use those things also for, for cooking up food. But the Mr. Heater Little Buddy is something that, again, if you've got a small area, whether it is a tent that you have, You can turn that thing on and it will heat that entire little space for you there and use minimal amount of fuel to be able to do it. These things are super, really super handy. They also have some features built into them that make them uh, safer as well. So one, if it tips over like in the middle of the night, the kids knock it over in the tent And and all of a sudden, you know, it tips over. Of course, you don't want that heater to start anything on fire. It automatically shuts itself off. It's good to go. The other thing it has is a low oxygen detector in it. So if it does end up using oxygen in the space that you're in, like you you created like an airtight type of thing, and all of a sudden, you know, by mistake, and it starts detecting that there's low oxygen, it will also shut it off. There as well. So I love this little thing. It's super handy. It's you can take it with you in vehicles. There's a lot you can really do with it there. Um, but again, even if you don't have that, which we did not have out in the uh, in the military in Tenth Mountain, um, you can huddle up together. So you like I said before, your body is a great generator of heat. It will generate that heat for you and finding ways to be able to capture that heat is going to help you and your family. Now, I can say that the, the coldest night that I ever had in the military out in the middle of the night where um, we weren't able, able to even go on missions and you could not get we could not get transportation back out to uh, back out to base was I can tell you the coldest time I had. We, I was stripped down with nothing but polypropylene underwear on me and a grunt underneath a poncho and a poncho liner holding on to each other for dear life. We swore we would never say this. We we swore we'd never tell anybody. I'm not going to tell who it was, but we, we it was funny cuz you we were laughing about it I was like we are not going to tell anybody about this. No, well, welcome to podcast days. I can tell everybody about it, right? But I'm telling you that was like life-threatening weather. We were able to stay warm all night long just by huddling up together underneath a poncho and a poncho liner. We did not have emergency blankets back then. Uh, out in out, we didn't use those types of things there. But we're able to use our, our body heat together to be able to stay warm all night long. You can do this same sort of thing, again, by taking and using um, like sleeping bags or blankets and surrounding them with Mylar bags so that you and your family can be together, huddle up together underneath the blankets and sleep that way. And you're going to find it's going to be a lot more comfortable. You're going to be able to capture your, your body heat and be able to um, heat up each other throughout the night. Okay, Now let's talk about keeping your body warm outside of that space. Of course, the right gloves, boots, and clothing are going to help you with this. Wool works really well because even if it gets wet, it will still keep you warm. Cotton will not do that. That's why a lot of preppers will say cotton kills because once it gets cold, it's actually going to be worse for you. Um, we were the first adopters of polypropylene when we were in the military, so we used polypropylene and Gore-Tex together. Um, actually without layers of clothing. It was just the polypropylene Gore-Tex. It worked like magic. But frankly, there's, I mean, when it comes to clothing and these types of things, it's really too much to go into in this topic. It really should be its own actual podcast episode someday. I'll, I'll go into that when it comes to survival clothing. Um, another fa- factor I can tell you about keeping your body warm is that exercise saved my ass sometimes, especially being out there on patrol at night, not having any sort of shelter to be able to get into and things really did get cold, I would just drop down and do as many push ups as I could. And that generated body heat. There were I mean it generated heat throughout my entire body, all the way down to my toes and my fingers. Um but dropping down and being able to do as many push ups as possible really helped me out a lot. Uh have some really, really tricky times. Now that might not be an option for you if you're really out of shape, but I'm telling you even if five I mean Doing five push-ups if you're out of shape is going to generate a lot of uh, a lot of body heat for you, but you might be surprised at what you can really do just by doing some exercise, just some some jumping jacks or side straddle hop as we call it in the military, push-ups, sit-ups, those types of things are going to generate body heat that's going to make you feel warm when you're cold. I can tell you that the absolute hardest time that I had in Tenth Mountain was keeping my hands and my feet warm enough. Now, this was before the days of hand warmers. Um, and hand warmers really can be a, they can really help you out a lot. I wish I'd had them out in, when I was in the military. Back then, I think we had like, there were like butane ones or kerosene ones. I remember just from being in the, in the Boy Scouts when I was, when I was younger. I didn't have those out in the field. Nowadays, um, there's disposable hand warmers that you can use. Actually, they're not the best ones you can have. Today, they're high, te- there are high tech versions out there of rechargeable hand warmers that work really, really well. I've got a bunch of these from uh, Survival Frog is my preferred supplier for these types of things. And you can pair them with a small solar charger that will allow you to kind of charge these things up and have them for warmers. They work really well even combined with like the Tact Bivy, the Mylar sleeping bags there. Because they're not a like a flame heater, you can actually just use them for... Um, you put one inside of one of these things, and that ge- the heat that's generated from the little hand warmers, and they've gotten really small these days. Um, that's going to do a lot to be able to to um, to heat up um, those that small area that you've got there, whether it's down by your feet in a sleeping bag or inside of your fort, inside of a sleeping bag, uh, the tack bivy. You're, uh, these things work really, really well, even if they're just short term. Heat suppliers for your hands to be able to keep warm or to be able to put them inside of boots to be able to dry them out. They work really, really well. I recommend that you have these rechargeable hand warmers, uh, one for each member of the family and a few more stashed away as extras as some might be able to – as they lose a charge, you have something you can quickly go to that's already charged up there while you're charging another using the solar chargers, okay? Okay. All right, now, so let me cover some of the basic resources that you need to be able to su- really truly survive, such as using water. What happened to a lot of these, uh, a lot of people in in Texas was their their pipes burst or their well went down or the power went down and they no longer had water. So, of course, stored water comes in really helpful here, but I don't like depending on any resource that can go away. So if you have stored water, that's wonderful, but again, it you can go through that water in no time. And you wanna, you wanna not have to rely on that. So melting snow is a possibility if there's actually snow out there. But again, that snow can go away or might just be cold without any snow. You always need to be able to manufacture your own drinking water. So unless you live alone in a desert somewhere, there's hopefully gonna be some form of wild water around you and having an inline filtering system Such as, you know, we, we always include it with our, with our X-Bobs that we, that we sell. There's always an inline water filter in there and there is actually a survive in place adapter that we include with that kit. Because all you really need is some way to collect water and you can use these kits to be able to allow like a, a, basically like a, a line, a hose to come from it. And have an inline water filter that makes any of this water drinkable without you having to even boil it. Because again, you're going to want to conserve all those heating resources that you might have, like the propane heaters, to be able to um, heat, up, use it for heat. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to use it all up. I mean, you might need it for heat later, so you don't want to use it up for things like boiling water. So that's why I always recommend having an inline water filtration system. Inside, and again, if this is inside of your bug out bag, and you have just something like a um, a trash bag that you can use for holding the for holding water, I don't care what it's like. I mean, you can use pond water for this. You can break up ice. You can have it melt inside of the your shelter area. It'll slowly melt there inside of that trash bag, and you can use these inline water filtration systems. they so always be able to have water for drinking as well as for cooking as well. So let's talk about food here. Um, at home, you should be fine with, you know, you're going to have some food at home that you're going to be able to use there, and you're going to want to be able to use that. Um, but this is where building out your survival food storage is so critical. Now, this is something I recommend doing on an ongoing basis if you can't tear, take care of all of your needs at once. Uh, food for Patriots is a sponsor of ours, and I've had a year's worth of their food for my family members Um it's really good food. I, I like it a lot of stores for 25 years. It's in mobile kits. I love it. Uh, my current supplier is Realize Foods and they offer a long-term subscription plan to be able to build it into your budget to be able to get these foods. But again, this is, these are your best options that you're going to be able to have that are going to allow you a long-term food storage option. But here's the important part. It's also going to make sure that your food is mobile. So having dry goods at home, like sacks of rice, flour, things like that. I know a lot of people do that. Uh, that's, I don't find that that's the best option. It's great for homesteading. It's great for really long-term survival, but it's not very mobile. Canned goods aren't very mobile. They're very heavy. You're not going to be able to put them inside of a backpack if you do have to rely solely on a backpack to be able to evacuate your area or live out of that backpack. Canned goods and things like that are super heavy. Even MREs are really heavy. I prefer to have these types of dried, type of freeze dried or, um, or or dried goods that are more mobile, like from Realized Foods or from Food for Patriots out there. Okay, now it's also good to have some sort of alternative cooking source because having a hot meal. I can tell you that having a hot meal out in the woods, when we were living off of MREs or anything, it made a world of difference for keeping the spirits up. And you can't underestimate the value of being a good spirits for all of this. Okay. So a, a camping stove works really well for this. Then you have fuel canisters that you can use. They're useful here as well. We talked about those. However, there are other options out there for being able to have a hot meal. Um, even if it's just a small bug out stove that you can have inside of your bug bug out bag. Uh, that's going to make a, a difference. Just having like a, a small kit that you can put on top of a bug out stove, heat yourself up some water, use the the food that you have, the survival food that you have or some ramen noodles, anything for a hot meal is going to make a big, big difference in morale for you and your family. Okay. The last thing I'll talk about here is something that a lot of people don't think about and that's sanitation. Um, sanitation goes down in these types of scenarios and a lot of people are finding out the hard way. So in a survive and play scenario, you're, It's really not that hard. You can use your own toilet. You just don't want to be able to, you know, if your, if your pipes freeze up for your, uh, for your own sanitation, then that toilet is gonna back up. And, but you can still use it. So if you get all the water out of the toilet and you just use the toilet bowl itself, you can just put trash bags inside of that underneath where the, the, the toilet lid comes down and you just put some kitty litter in there. So it's good to have some, and I don't care if you have a cat or not. Put some, I always have some kitty litter inside of your garage, and you can go ahead and just put the kitty litter in there. When it fills up or if, I mean, you guys, can, you can go outside. If you don't want to basically go out in the elements, though, you can just use the kitty litter inside of that trash bag, and then when it's done, you just pick it up, tie it off, put a next bag in there, put some more kitty litter in there, and then it's ready for the next round until you can no longer fill that thing up again, all right? So it's a really easy way for you to take care of things like that. All right. All right. Well, this wraps things up and it gives you some ideas that you of of how easy it can be to stay warm and survive an extreme cold weather scenario here. As a reminder, you can go over to www.warriorlifepodcast.com slash 339. You can download the cheat sheet for this episode. And, hey, don't be shy. Go ahead and leave me a comment on our blog where this podcast is over at warriorlife.com. And let me know your own extreme cold weather survival tips that you have. Of course, there are a lot of other things I could add to this list. This is going to really help you out just with what you've got right here. I want to hear from you, though, so please go on over to our blog where this podcast episode is. And I look forward to hearing what your own tactics are for surviving an extreme cold weather scenario. And until then, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive
1: Train, survive.